said some things Sunday, and I know um, <coughs> was uh, talking about, um, you know, uh, for Father's Day, I know we're growing apostolic, and everybody say legacy, legacy, and ironically, Brother uh, <coughs> Lehman, Brother John Lehman, people I call him Jack Lehman, called me today, and he visited for several minutes, and he wanted to tell me of some things that happened in the past history of this church and um, how um, influential it had been in his life, and then he proceeded to uh, be a great encouragement. And he, he gave me a lot of the history and I tried to write down some as I was uh, listening to him because he was um, uh, just telling me some things that were really strengthening. And he said that his father, um, they, uh, was Glenn Lehman, I believe was his name, uh, that his the people that worked with him used to call him Limo, you know, for instead of Lehman, they would say Limo. And um, one guy at work, I guess, supposedly just kept on, come on, Limo, go to church with me. Come on, Limo, go to church. And that he went in and told his wife, he said, look, I, there's only one way I'm going to get this guy to stop bugging me about church, they have a meeting going on in Newark, and uh, Brother Frush is the pastor, and and they, he said they lived at time, I think, down in Grainsville or near Crooksville, I guess a community named Grainsville, I think, and so they rode up to Newark, and he got the Holy Ghost here in Newark, in a meeting in, on July the 11th, 1926, almost uh, soon to be 97 years ago. And, of course, he, uh, his wife had gotten the Holy Ghost. He got the Holy Ghost. And then uh, March, they had both been baptized March the 5th and of that year. And so uh, he was just telling me all about that, that he went back, and I guess there was uh, uh, the Brown family, uh, Delmer and some that were there, and they went and started a church in New Straitsville, and then they came back, and they uh, were in the Crooksville church, and he asked about uh, some different ones. Uh, let me see, and I, he said... Um, uh, I, I've forgotten who he, he asked, and I said, I don't think they're alive. Then he asked about Delmer, then he said Guy, and uh, he was just going through names of people and, of course, asked about Brother and Sister White and, and Brother Matthew and Brother White's his nephew. And, and uh, <clears throat> so here he was uh, talking about how influential the legacy of this church is and how uh, it helped start, of course, we know the, the church New Life in, in uh, Lancaster and uh, birthed out of here with the Smiths, the Anchor Church, uh, Brother uh, 
Bounds is at now, and then uh, then he went from Lancaster, pastoring a while, had and went to uh, Wabashaw, I think, Wisconsin, and uh, how then he came back to Lancaster. And anyway, he was going through all that, and he was saying, "Whatever you do, just you know, hold on, and the Lord's got a plan, and the Lord." I, even times that I thought. It, I was, things were going bad. I just, I now see how God was in the middle of all of it. And he said, I can tell you things that happened, but you know what? I now see God was moving. And I thought, of course, of what I was speaking Sunday about God having a plan. And so I thought, well, you know what? I need to maybe talk a little bit tonight about how to follow the plan, the plan of God. And I know if you uh, only look at the picture, you know, on the, uh, on the left, it might look a little bit daunting, all the turns and squiggles, and then you see this, you know, how it's solved on the right. And uh, that's one of the things they do with children, you know, is give them a maze and let them try to figure out how to get the uh, cows to the cornfield and the chickens to the eggs and the ducks to the water. And Tegan uh, works on those mazes and little children do, but following and, and you're, there's going to be twists and bends and there's going to be roads that you kind of look, that's a dead end, don't go down there. And if you go, you got to backtrack and all of that. And I, I realized that in fact, you know, these are, uh, I put a few of the verses that I <coughs> mentioned Sunday and I'm not going to re-go through the lesson Sunday, but about the prodigal son. And I told you that God, that father had a plan for that boy. He had a plan for his sons. You know he had a plan. Whatever that plan was, what he wanted him to do, how, where to work, what to follow in his footsteps, take over the farm, whatever it was, he had a plan. Now, they may have said, uh, the younger one said, I don't, I don't want that plan. I want to do my own thing. And yet, we know how the dad responded even when the son's plans had fought, failed. And yet, I mentioned Jeremiah where it says the Lord has a plan for us. He has a plan, plan for our good, plan for peace, not for evil, and to give hope. And, you know, I, I realize, you know, right now we had poor Brother Roman, you know, broke his uh, wrist or uh, something the other day, and, and these children, you know, end up, with stomach bugs and viruses, and it can be overwhelming. But you know what? God still has a plan. And no matter how it may feel at the time, you recognize that God has a plan. And number one, it's a good plan. It's a good plan. You may say, 
well, I've got a plan. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to have a plan. I want to tell you that, that I, no, no matter what your plans are, I'm telling you God's plan for your life is better than any other plan that you could even imagine. And he, I read the verse in Isaiah where it said, um, my wife just texted that Nick and Bree and all the Hancocks just came to the ER. Brylan broke her arm. Hallelujah. Sorry, I didn't mean that to go out on the airways if y'all don't know it, but I, I, I just, she said she was at the ER waiting on Tegan and there they all came in. So they're not at camp, they're at the ER with Brylan in Jesus' name. Uh, you know, and I read you some of these verses in in psalms and where it talked about the lord said i will guide you i will lead you and i and and then in john where he said i am come that they might have life and life more abundantly life to its fullest and then philippians a, a powerful verse where it says in god will liberally supply, or my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What are you saying? You know, it's one thing for me to plan on saying, well, I want to I wanna plan this for my children, and I want to plan that, and I want to plan... And then yet I know that my resources are limited. Huh? I might, well, I, I plan on giving each of my kids a million dollars. Why don't you make that plan, Dad? Give each of your kids a million dollars. He's talking to my mother. He's looking at the thing. He doesn't know what's going on. He missed the whole joke. <laughs> Neither one. They still are oblivious. Hallelujah. It's all right. We're all laughing because I said, I might have a plan to give each of my children a million dollars. And then I said, why don't you have that plan, Dad? And you missed it. Sorry. Yeah, he turned a deaf ear to that. He, he has selective hearing when it comes to, you know, what I need for him to do that. But guess what? My resources are limited. I might plan on, oh, well, we're going to plan a big vacation. I'm going to plan a, well, unless you can support all of that. Hard to make them, you know. Now, maybe some parents are able to convince their children, I plan on all of y'all taking me somewhere. Maybe you can plan for them, but that's pretty tough. You understand? But let me tell you, that's not the way the Lord is. He has riches. He can provide money. He can put money in a fish's mouth. He can... 
You know, you say, well, I plan on being able to cook supper. Let me tell you, we serve a God that can just break the loaves and fishes. So if he wants something to happen, he's not limited by, ooh, that's going to cost me too much. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can perform that one. He is limitless supply. And Proverbs said, lean on, trust in, be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own understanding or in all your ways. Acknowledge, recognize him and he will direct and make straight your feet. Be not wise in your own eyes, but reverently fear and worship him, the Lord and turn away from evil. So I, I talked about the plan Sunday morning, and that's just kind of a rehab, uh, recap, and I talked about Jehoshaphat and some of those things. And, and then the, the key is, how do you know and are you able to follow his plan? We know that he has a plan, and how do you follow it? Well, number one, I think most important step is to settle in your mind what is the most important thing in your life. And that is, number one, I'm going to follow his plan. Now, I know some people, number one is to make, I want to make a good living. I want to, I want to make money. I want to buy a house. Number one, I want to do that. I want to whatever. I'm going to just tell you, I know, I You know, I, I've, ha I've been guilty of saying, oh, Lord, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere, but I'd rather not go <laughs> to the dark recesses of Africa or wherever it would be, huh? And I've often wondered, well, how is it that God calls people to Miami or to Orlando or to Gatlinburg or wherever, vacation resorts? Why didn't you call me there, Lord? I'd rather have, but the point is not about you, if you want to follow God's plan, you've got to settle in your mind. You've got to wake up every morning, if you will, and say, Lord, you're directing my life. I'm going to serve you. I'm your child, and I am not going to be as concerned about everything else. You're going to open the doors. You're going to make a way. You're going to, you will take care of me. I know you have a plan in for my life. And that's why Jesus himself said, don't take any thought. What he meant was worry. Don't worry. What am I going to eat? Now, does everybody need to eat? Does everybody need to drink? Does everybody need to have clothes? So those are basics. And I know, I know people that, you know, and I, I got frustrated during COVID and 
you know, they didn't have toilet paper and they didn't have something else. And I, I wanted to build a barn or a shed and just put toilet paper in it, hand sanitizer, bacon, and whatever else. But you know what? We made it through all of that. Was it tough at times? Yes. Did gas go up? Yes. Were there times whenever I didn't get to use Charmin? I had to use Members Mark? I had people at church that would say, Pastor, that was one ply you had in the bathroom. We need to upgrade. Tell them that was all I could order was Scott's at that time and thank the Lord, just double it up in your hand. It'll be fine. Oh, Lord, this probably shouldn't go out for major consumption. God has a plan. And, and so he said, don't worry about some of these things. He said, you're, all these things the Gentiles seek. Jesus said this, not me. He said, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Then what did he say? What was the next verse? But seek ye. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you don't take thought about tomorrow and i realize i'm not i am not advocating just spend money and know well god shall supply all my needs yes he will but that doesn't mean you're gonna have Chanel purse and Gucci handbag and whatever else, right? It's not talking about being unwise. It's not talking about buying things that you can't afford. But guess what? He shall supply all of our needs. And I'm, I will be the first to confess I got a lot of stuff that goes out in the trash that I didn't need. Huh? And, you know, we have a, when everybody eats at the supper table, we make a decent meal, and yet we put it in. We eat leftovers. That's what we had tonight. But there's still, you know, more than I, look at me, I've eaten more than I need. Right? Maybe not, y'all. Maybe you just eat what you need. Get what you need. Buy what you need. Only what you need. And I know people, they're better than me. You know, if they, they don't buy a new shirt until they take a shirt and throw it away. I'm guilty of, oh, man, that's a good deal. And if you buy two, it's even a better deal. I could use one in every color for that deal.
I'm not trying to talk to you about what you have in your closet or don't have or whatever, but what I'm saying is you got to know my God shall supply all of our needs if we put him first. And you don't have to worry. You say, well, pastor, and I know the, the, you, you have to make sure and what probably motivates people more than anything is M-O-N-E-Y. Working for the money. And, and let me tell you, Money is not evil, but the love of it, what the Bible says. Paul told Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing in the world. You're carrying nothing out. If you have food and raiment, be content. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into diminish foolish and hurtful lust and drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money <clears throat> is the root of all evil which some have coveted after and they have erred from the faith and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice in that verse where it says <clears throat> you Wanting to be rich, you will fall into temptation and a snare. And let me tell you, there are plenty of get-rich-quick schemes that will get you. And there's always one that, I, you know, if you just buy this, if you just send money here, if you just do this, if you just... And let me tell you, <clears throat> they're smart. They're, they, they know how to fake you out. And, you know, they can even... Play on your sympathy. Several years ago, I had a, one of our ministers, pastors in Zanesville, Brother Henderson, call me up. He said, uh, Brother Shostrand, where are you right now? I said, well, I'm at home. He said, well, you just emailed me from London. I said, London where? London, UK. You needed... 500 pounds immediately. I said, well, whoever that was, it wasn't me. I didn't email you. I'm here. <clears throat> he kept them going, kept them on the line. They finally unhooked him. But you know what? <clears throat> That's what I'm saying. They will play on whatever he said, the love of money is the root of all evil. He said, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. Run from them and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Now, I want you to understand. I put here, God, let me tell you, when we get to heaven, we're going to walk on streets of gold. We're going to walk through a gate of pearl. Now, why would he put all that 
And John would see all of that in the New Jerusalem if he was El Cheapo. I mean, John could have just said, I saw a great city, massive gates. But God put what man knew to be expensive stuff and foundations made with precious stones and all of these things that, you know, but here he's not the El Chipo, he is the El Shaddai. He is the one that will provide. Amen? So he knows how to provide. And so, you know, do we receive an offering? Yes. Do we tell you some of the bills that come through? Yes. You know, uh, do I tell you all of them? No, I don't. God has been good. We had a, we got had them check our our fire. We have to have fire extinguishers and fire or what all. And the company that we used last year sold to another company and went from about seven hundred or eight hundred dollars to twenty four hundred dollars. Hallelujah! I don't know if your husband wants a side job, Sister Carolyn. We'll hire him, buy him a can of smoke and let him use one of our ladders. Plus, we had to pay for their travel all the way from Columbus. God bless us, Lord. I know people, but guess what? We had the money to pay for it. God is great. You know, our God will supply all of our needs. And, and he is not, you know, I, up to us to listen to him. John, the 10th chapter, Jesus went on and on about my sheep know my voice and not a stranger. They won't listen to someone else. So, you know, being able to figure out, Lord, I want to know, is this you? Is this me? Is it me trying to get something that I want? Or is this part of your plan? That's how you stay a part of the Lord is saying, I want to hear your voice. If you wake up one morning and you decide, oh, I think it would be great to spend $250,000 to look at the wreck of the Titanic. By the way, we need to pray for all of them. Ask the Lord first. If he says, man, that's a great idea. <clears throat> Make sure it's him. Make sure you're listening to the right voice. Now I put here the story of, of in Exodus where the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the flame of fire and when the bush started burning, Moses turned. Moses said, I will now turn aside and I will see what this great sight is. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God spoke to him. 
If Moses would have acted like, I don't care what that is. I don't care what's going on. I've got to deal with these sheep. I'm not worried about that. He would have never heard from God. But that's why important to say, Lord, I want to, I want to follow you. I want to hear your word. In fact, in, <clears throat> Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians, he said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. What are you saying? I'm saying that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, he puts something on the inside that will give you strength, that will give you courage, that will help you if you keep it stirred up. In fact, when you read in the Amplified, it said that uh, he will grant you out of the rich treasure of his glory. Do you know inside of you is a rich treasure of glory? Well, I wish the Lord would put it in my bank account. You got something in here that's worth more than any amount of money. Stir that up. Stay connected to his plan. And when you go on down in Corinthians, you remember Paul would say it like this. Though our outward man perish, yet the inner man, inward man, is renewed day by day. And so the plan of God is to keep strengthening your inward man. You know, and, and if you say, well, I've got to make money. Yes, but make sure you strengthen your inner man too. Before you go to work, say a prayer. Read a scripture. Say, Lord, help me. Direct me today. I need strength on the inward man. Say, well, I've got to eat lunch. Did you feed the inner man? Did you take at least a snack cake? You know, at least a kind chocolate bar? for the inner man you may fast but we don't miss too many meals of the outward but I wonder how many meals we miss on the inward man and I know it's Wednesday night you're all here but the, the key is you keep checking Lord I want to follow your plan and then you basically say you, you have to do this and and you may have never prayed this. I've prayed it. Lord, search me. Check my motives. Make sure my motives are right. Search my heart. Because the Bible talks about our heart is desperately wicked. And so we have to say, Lord, turn the spotlight. And the proverb said, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts. You read in the Amplified, it said, it is uh, the factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God. It's the lamp of the Lord. And what is the big thing that will cut through to my inner man? The word 
is sharp and quick. Boom. It'll... We're here on Wednesday night. It's just us. But there's a lot of times I've said things, done things, and all of a sudden, I feel a check on the inner man. Anybody ever had that? You go, oh, Lord. Wash me, cleanse me. Well, let me tell you, you want to keep that strong because that's helped to keep you in check. You say, well, I don't like, I don't like always feeling like I've done wrong. Oh, man, I want to follow his plan. I want to make sure when I get off, I get back on. You know, I mean, any hunter knows that you shoot a gun and you're just an inch off here, the further down the road you get, it's way off. I can't afford to be a millimeter off here. It's what my trajectory will be. The next thing that's important, of course, I grew up, I tasted soap a few times. Actually, it was my grandmother, I think, that stick a bar of soap in my mouth. My mom, I think, maybe did it one time or two. I know that's cruel and unusual. I'm not advocating any of you do that. That will warp people for life. I can't tell you the times that I've laid awake at night just worried about how many times I'd tasted soap. Not, but anyway. Y'all, some of y'all don't remember those days. Watch your mouth. My grandmother used to love the verse, be careful, no idle words. I remember thinking, what in the world is an idle word? What's an idle word? But we do have to watch our mouth because, you know, and I've, you've heard me say this before, you can pray yourself into depression. Oh, God, I don't understand, God, why you, why me, Lord, nobody seems, oh, God. Huh? And the longer I pray that way, just seems like the devil's after me. He's beating me up all the time. I don't get it, Lord. I'm trying to do right, and you know, look at everybody else. Got to watch your mouth. You got to make sure you're saying some things. If you're going to stay in God's plan, you know, Jesus said, have faith in God. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart. 
He which saith shall come to pass. Whatsoever he saith. Now, I, I, I just want you to know, <laughs> I've seen mountains. I, you can't, anybody that's talking to a mountain, you know, you got to, that takes a lot of faith. But the, the point is that we have to be careful how we're talking. Proverbs, Solomon wrote, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. The increase of his lips shall be filled. Death and life are where? The power of the tongue. And that means that you can talk yourself into bad situations or you can start building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I, I, I will tell you what I've learned in my life is that when you can't, feel like I can pray, I start praying till I pray through and I let the Holy Ghost pray. Because I don't know how to pray. I don't know to pray, Lord, take them home, Lord. But Lord, I know I want to pray your will be done. I know you're a good God. I know you are able to perform whatever miracle. You know what I would like, but guess what, Lord, I love you. I'm going to follow you, serve you. And then I, I put here the next thing is you, you try it on. Get some godly feedback. If you're going to follow this plan. What do I mean try it on? Well, you know, I, I would tell you that... Um, and I've counseled people, you know, that have come and they go, this job and this job. And I say, okay, well, apply for it. Try it out. See, if the Lord opens the door, praise the Lord. If he doesn't, it's okay. Don't, you don't have to feel like, oh, I failed God. That's terrible. I wanted that job. That job may be the worst thing that would happen to you. Proverbs, and there's just numerous verses, and I could put more than this, but it says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. For by wise counsel, thou shalt make thy war. Not somebody else's fight, but you'll make your fight by wise counsel. And we've got people that are here on Wednesday night. Ask somebody, what do you think? I, you know, what do you think? I pray for me. Pray with me. Pray about this situation. Find people. And if you go, I know what they would say. Well, that shame on you. Pray, especially if they're godly. Because if they're godly, they're going to pray with you. He then says, find and, you know, I put here, you know, find and listen to some godly people in your life. And the Bible is very clear. Paul even said, be followers of me as what? I follow Christ. So it's okay to follow people. It's okay to do what, you know, find somebody and do what they do. But as long as they're following 
the Lord. If you just put it out there on Facebook, you're going to be majorly confused. Or Twitter or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. You, huh? Find somebody godly. Ask them what they would do. Say, well, I don't need to know. They don't need to tell me. I'm an adult. I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Guess what? Jesus was always praying. Lord, what do you want me to do? And he was God manifest in the flesh. Matthew, the 18th chapter says, Again, I say, if two of you agree on earth as touching two, you'll ask them. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. I, everybody loves Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, but I always ask them when they quote that, do you know what 521 says? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. If you're not submitting to anyone else, nobody can tell you what to do. Don't expect God to fulfill 522. Sorry. Look what it says in 1 Peter. He personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree as an altar and offered himself on it that we might die or cease to exist to sin. The Lord wants us to not have sin reign over us. Whatever the habit is, whatever the emotion is, whatever the fear is, whatever it is, he wants to destroy it and to live to the next verse. Into that next word is righteousness. And then we like the next verse. By his stripes we were healed. Right? Let me tell you what those stripes are. The stripes of sin. For you, yes. Does he do physical healing? Yes. But you were gone astray like so many sheep and have now returned to the shepherd, guardian, and bishop of your souls. Second Peter, he wrote it like this. For his divine power has bestowed upon all of us the things that are requisite and suited for life and godliness. He has the power to help you live a godly life. You can say, I don't think I can do it. It's too much temptation. I wasn't raised that way. Let me tell you, stir up the Holy Ghost. When you tell me you can't do it, all I know is greater is he that's in you. That's not what the Word says. Through the full personal knowledge of him who called us, and by and to his own glory and excellence, virtue. By means of these he hath bestowed on us his precious and exceeding and great promises that through them you might escape by flight from the moral decay or rottenness and corruption that is in the world 
because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and become sharers or partakers of the divine nature. What are you saying? I am saying that God is able to keep you from the rot and moral decay of this world. Stir it up. My last verses are found in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It's four verses. I put them in the Amplified. I'll read these and we're through. It's 8 o'clock. I, I know I'm preaching the choir. It's Wednesday night, but if you want to, if you want to, Stay connected to his plan. Here's what it says. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, what is he? A new creature. A new creature altogether. And I, I read this verse a few weeks ago when I said, you know, people want to talk about, well, I, this happened in my past and that happened. Let me tell you, you can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old, previous moral, spiritual condition has passed away. The fresh and new has come. All things are of God, from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, and brought us in harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of what? That by word and deed. What are we supposed to be doing? I don't know who it was. I really don't know. I don't know if Jack knows. The man that worked with Glenn, in quotes, Lemo Lehman. But God used that man by word and deed that an entire family and so many people living for God connected then with the Browns and that family and going through many of those still living for God because some man said, come with me. God's able to do something for you. And you say, well, how, they, how did he know a hundred years from now that 85-year-old Jack Lehman would call the current pastor and say, hold on, keep the faith. God's got a plan. It was God in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor within himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses. Aren't you thankful for that? But canceling them, praise God, and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. How many want to live in the favor of God? So we are Christ's ambassadors. I could preach a long time on what does it mean to be an ambassador? You represent someone else. You represent another government. You represent another people. You represent another country. That's what we are supposed to be doing. 
When people look at us, when people talk to us, they're supposed to go, something's different about them. And when they, they, they go, man, inflation's terrible. What are we going to do? Is an ambassador worried about the country he's in falling apart? No, because guess what? If his country is any kind of a country, when it gets so bad, a helicopter's going to come and take him out of the embassy. When this thing all starts falling apart, <laughs> I'm looking up. Helicopter's coming. We're an ambassador. Get me out of here. Oh, hallelujah. He said, we beg you for his sake. And I, this is the last slide. Hold, get a hold of the divine favor. Be reconciled for God. He made him to be sin so that we would not have to have go through sin. Well, I ended up, you can read that 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I put it in Amplified there, but King James, doesn't matter. His plan is for us to walk in his favor and be an example to the world around us. Less what? The Lord's got a plan. He's got a plan. It's a good plan. He's going to get you out of here. You hang on to him. He'll supply your needs. I don't know how he'll do it, but he's able to do it. God is able. He's got a good plan. Let's stand.